The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning, happy Monday, and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a program that covers national, regional, and local headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview members of Congress, local elected officials, and other high-profile public figures. All right, so I'm here with uh, my producer, Ricky Herrera. Hello, Ricky. Hey, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Ricky. So um, there's a lot to talk about. It's exciting time for uh, KPFK. Uh, we have uh, we have some program changes. We have some new additions. Uh, we have uh, a new person, a very dynamic person, actually doing KPFK's uh, social media. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. And of course, uh, after um, a few news items that Ricky and I are going to discuss, I have uh, an interview with... Um, Michelle Shane, who is a, a celebrated filmmaker, uh, such as films, such films as uh, um, iRobot and uh, Catch Me If You Can and many other blockbusters. Uh, but we're going to talk about his documentary film, uh, 21 Miles in Malibu, which was inspired, um, or I should say, it's sort of based on uh, the death of his daughter, who was killed by a sort of a maniac driver in Malibu. And so he set up a foundation for her under her name and uh, made this documentary to really help others uh, understand the dangers of uh, the roads, the PCH, I should say, in Malibu. So uh, that will be coming up. But Ricky, so let's get right to it. Talk about this sort of a very controversial year for soccer or football, as they call it in other parts of the world, the FIFA World Cup that's happening in Qatar. And for those of you who may not know, Qatar is one of the Emirates as part of the United Arab Emirates in the Arabian Peninsula. It's a tiny nation, oil-producing nation, and uh, that's where it's at. And there have been a lot of controversies, uh, one of them being that they are uh, discriminating against uh, different types of people, including the LGBTQ community. Uh, they turn away people who have any kind of a rainbow on their clothing, whatnot. Doesn't matter why they have it. As if there's a rainbow showing, they're turned away. And so this sort of opens up um, conversation to, uh, you know, the corporate ownership of sports and how uh, any rogue nation can basically. Uh, they can host uh, the World Cup and other sporting events as long as they pay enough, because this has happened in Azerbaijan too. Uh, Azerbaijan, even uh, sort of a worst candidate for any kind of a uh, sports uh, event, given their human rights violations and an autocratic uh, uh, president. So uh, yeah, uh, Ricky, you are you are the sports person. You're the this is your forte, your expertise. So what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I think it first off, FIFA, this just proves that, you know, money really, really talks. It, I'm just confused how a a nation living in the Stone Age could host such a worldly event and and, and ask people from all over the world to come and 
and, and embrace this magnificent sport, but yet impose these, these ridiculous sanctions on, on people. Uh, there was a reporter who was detained for wearing a, for wearing a rainbow and they, they took his phone and just completely out of line made him uncomfortable. And I can only imagine what else is going on there. There were reports coming out a few months before the World Cup started. And, you know, one of them was like, there will be no alcohol sales at the World Cup. And it's like, okay, that's a bummer. Okay, but I guess you could understand that. Then there was a report that if you're single, you're not allowed to have sex. (laughs) It's like... I I don't care about people having sex. That's not the point. But that's relevant to a sports game. I don't get it. That's <laughs> that's what I'm trying to make sense of. But this really just does prove that um, the FIFA organization has has no clue, and they are corrupt as they come. If you if if you have the money, come on down. Besides that, I think it's I think it's great. The World Cup is back as you know it's every four years and there's a lot of excitement uh behind it a thrilling matchup uh the other day between Iran and the u.s there's been thrilling matchups all throughout the world cup in 2026 just a friendly reminder to listeners the world cup will be coming to north america and there will be different uh sites hosting games uh uh, Canada, the U.S., and Mexico, mm-hmm. all hosting uh, soccer matchups at different stages and stuff. So that should be fun. But I really hope FIFA can learn something from this experience moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's sort of um, you know, since we're talking about uh, you know, one of the biggest people or one of the biggest groups that was impacted by by these ridiculous rules imposed on Qatar was the LGBTQ community. Uh, but we did have a win in the Senate uh, a few days ago with the passage of the Respect for Marriage Act that passed the Senate, which ensures uh, and protects marriage equality. Um, and that was a big win because uh, 12 Republicans joined Democrats uh, to vote for it. It is a little odd that after all this time, <laughs> we're sort of back to this again, because marriage equality, as some of you know, it passed in 2015 uh, after a long battle post uh, Prop 8, which passed in 2008. That was a really good news uh, for once that came out of the Senate. And uh, it's one of those topics that will probably never go away, unfortunately, Vic. You know, despite the fact that if if you cu- if you cut any living, breathing human open, we all look the same, and right, um, it it just it doesn't matter. But this marriage equality act is great. I'm gl- I'm glad this happened. Sixty one to thirty six. Um, hopefully, hopefully that will dwindle down if this ever comes to a vote again. And it's just really good for the country. Yeah, and if you're wondering, um, that number doesn't add up to 100 is because a few people didn't vote. So there you have it. So Ricky, we're excited about KPFK's uh, new lineup, some of the changes that are happening, yeah, and also the the fun drive. Why don't you sort of summarize it? Yeah, so just a friendly reminder uh, for all the listeners, 
So on December 6th, we are going to go into a fun drive and it's going to last about two weeks. It's a on-air membership drive. And I also want to remind uh, listeners that about our new morning mix radio magazine at 8 a.m. Um, news and cultural expression. Also, we have a new locally produced evening newscast at 6 p.m. KPFK's Rebel Alliance News. Um, it's exclusive to KPFK. And let's see. Oh, yes. Uh, some some programs will be returning to Liberated Sisters, Think Outside the Cage. Think Outside the Cage, Jerry Silva. She is a magnificent woman, one of the strongest women I've ever I've ever encountered in my life. And you will not be disappointed tuning in to Think Outside the Cage, as, as well as Liberated Sisters. Sister Charlene, uh, an amazing woman, just doing everything she can, as she likes to say, putting her pumps on the ground. Also, the Chris Hedges report. Please uh, just tune in while we are in FunDrive, and if you can, just please help us out. We are an independent news organization. Every cent matters. We just can't thank you enough. We know you always have our back, and that's why our listeners rock. Indeed. Absolutely. Well said. Well said. And obviously, um, you know, if you're listening, then you know that our time slot changed. We are now on at 8 a.m. on Mondays. Uh, we used to be on at 6 a.m., but now we are um, coming to you at 8 a.m., and also, you don't have to wait for the fund drive to make a donation. You can always go to uh, kpfk.org uh, and donate through our website. Uh, we are uh, grateful for, for your donations, your support, and contributions throughout the years. And, uh, you know, very proud of this network that's, uh, you know, people-powered. Um, so help us out. Support us during these uh, holidays. And it's... Uh, your your contributions are 100% tax deductible. So think about that too uh, when you go to kpfk.org. So Ricky, now we're going to hear from uh, Michelle Shane, uh, my interview with him about his uh, documentary. Yeah, uh, thanks everyone. I'm sure you will uh, enjoy this interview with Michelle very much. And just thank you again in advance for, for donating. The Blunt Post with Vic. Michelle Shane is a renowned filmmaker. He's made such films as Catch Me If You Can, iRobot, and many other blockbusters throughout his career. He also just produced the documentary feature film 21 Miles in Malibu, which is based on the tragic death of his daughter, who was killed by a, an out-of-control raging driver on a Pacific Coast Highway in Malibu. Um, so his film, 21 Miles in Malibu, is, uh, is a filmmaker's work as well as a father's and an activist's. Malibu is this little oasis where wealthy people and average people get away, relax, and enjoy the natural beauty. People bring their amazing cars out to this town because there's so many great places to see and things to do. The parking, the bicycle, the walking, the deliveries, this road was never meant to handle that many people. This is going to end badly. Nothing has been changed since the 50s. Most cities have two or three miles of the PCH. We have 21 miles. 
The deadly collision happened just after noon and left two people dead and two others injured. The news of the crash has heightened concerns over safety out here. I get to where I'm supposed to meet her, which is the corner of Heathercliff and PCH, and I see a car is turned over. For a split second, I said to myself, you know, Emily was supposed to be there. Nah, th can't be. She was a really good kid. She was a sweet, kind person who didn't have a mean bone in her body. The EMT told me she had died. My life changed forever. It is one of the most dangerous places around. PCH isn't safe, and everyone knows that, and no one's done anything about that. I have seen nine fatal collisions or deaths from this exact spot where I'm standing. There is study after study after study about what needs to be done. Not one of them has been implemented. Being in this roadway is the single most dangerous thing you're probably going to do. Good morning, Michelle. Thank you for being on The Blunt Post with Vic this morning. How are you today? Good. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to talking to you. Yes, uh, same here. I'm, uh, I just happen to be um, sort of promoting my own documentary, too. And not that I want to talk about my project, but uh, it's interesting to um, look at yours. Yours is um, a very personal one, and we'll, we'll talk about that uh, later on, 21 Miles in Malibu. Uh, of course, you're you're a celebrated filmmaker um, for in many years with many blockbusters behind you, um, such as Catch Me If You Can, iRobot, etc. But we're going to mainly talk about your documentary, uh, your foundation, uh, honoring your daughter, uh, after whom the foundation is named and such. Anything else you want to talk about, too? So I'll let you sort of tell us about uh, 21 Miles in Malibu. So this was uh, kind of I had to make it. The irony of my career is the very first picture that I produced or show that I produced was a documentary. And that kind of got me into producing. And I had done it in Canada for Beton Broadcasting, which I don't even think exists anymore. And it was The Treasures of the Titanic. Uh, we had done a, a television show, um, uh, Titanic Live with Telly Savalas, and uh, I had worked on that. We had done it as a Canadian tax shelter film. And uh, this was an offshoot that we sold to a local broadcaster. So that was my experience in being a documentary filmmaker. And then what happened was... Uh, in 2010, my youngest daughter was murdered by an enraged driver. Uh, he was having a bad day, broke up with his girlfriend, lost his job, et cetera, et cetera, wrote a note to her, left her check, and drove from, let's call it the top of Topanga, to Heathercliff in Malibu, which is 20 miles. Yeah. And there were six 911 calls of people just saying, this is going to end badly. This is going to end badly. I was driving down. I live in Upper Canyon. I was driving down our canyon. I was at the light at PCH and saw this crazy car go flying by, cutting lanes. And I said to myself, oh, my God, this is not going to end well. And, you know, you often say things like that, and you never think that it's going to 
relate to you or have anything to do with you. It's just, wow, this is terrible. And I go to go pick her up. And as I'm going to pick her up, I see a car's overturned and the police have just gotten there. And I go, oh, I better move because they're going to shut PCH on this one. And for a flash, I said to myself, wow, Emily was supposed to be there. Nah, can't be. Well, it can be. It turned out that Emily was the victim of that crash. Uh, she died. He survived. We spent uh, two years in on, in court trying to convict him. We did convict him. And um, our legal system is really upside down here in California. And now he's up for parole after being convicted for 15 years to life in prison. So now we're dealing with that. But Wow. The thing that happened was normally, you know, listen, there's no one in the world and there's no greater tragedy. There's no one in the world that I hate enough to wish this upon. And there's no greater tragedy than to lose your child, someone that you created, someone that right. you brought into this world that you're supposed to protect. Uh, I can talk openly now because that was 2010. You know, you learn to live with it and you learn to kind of deal with the emotions, but it was, uh, it, it's brutal. So we finally convicted him. We're now dealing with him trying to get out on parole. But while all this was going on, it became, I became acutely aware of, of Pacific Coast Highway. Mm -hmm. Not only, I was aware, I had two other girls that learned to drive and we were always concerned when they were on PCH, I actually got my oldest daughter a old used car, a 1985 500 SEL uh, Mercedes. And it was a, you know, we fixed it up, but it was a, basically a junker because it had a steel cage. So if a bus hit that car, right, the bus would crash, she'd be fine. So I started noticing, and it was that summer, there were deaths and accidents almost every week. I mean, it was an incredible thing. And I said, this can't keep going. I mean, this is ridiculous. So I said, I got to make a move. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie. And you're listening to my interview with filmmaker Michelle Shane, whose latest documentary, 21 Miles in Malibu, uh, is uh, doing really great in film festivals. Uh, Michelle is also the producer of such films as Catch Me If You Can and iRobot. If what happened to Emily was in a film where you were actually driving down the canyon and you saw this car sort of storming out and, and not knowing that this is going to impact you, we, we would have said, what a far-fetched film. Who wrote this? You know, and it's it's just tragic. I say that just really, first of all, I'm so sorry. I just, just reading about, you know, just doing my homework and reading about it was was hard enough, but just uh, hearing you talk about it, I just can't fathom. And you're right. I mean, I, I think after losing parents, the most, the first before losing parents, losing a child is, is the most uh, painful thing that someone can go through. And I just can't fathom it. Well, and losing parents, that's a circle of life. I mean, right, exactly. you get old. Unfortunately, you, you're the child and you watch your parents age. And yeah. eventually 
as it's sad the way as it's it supposed is, to be. The them. way it's supposed to be, not the other That's way. That's right. And it's not that it's not sad, but it's, it's, you know, if someone lives 90, 100 years, you go, they had a long, great life. It doesn't make it any sadder that that person is no longer in your life. But it's not the same as losing a 13-year-old who was just starting her life, just understanding the world. Yeah, who who done nothing to... Right, right. Nothing. I mean, Emily was quite an incredible kid. So the documentary, because I didn't want the documentary to be the story of Emily, you mm. know, whoa, whoa, me, oh, my God, I lost my child. I'm making a, a documentary about her life. No, what is, she is... But it makes of, it impactful, though. Right. right? I hope. Yeah. <laughs> I've lived with it for so long yeah. at this point. It took me 10 years to put it together. So look, lived with it for so long that I no longer can look at it with a open open eye and mind, you know? Right. To me, it's just images at this point. But it's, listen, so we talk about, we talk about Emily. We talk about another girl who was a woman who was, um, training for iron man and she was riding on pch and because the pavements are not flat and there was a certain area where the curb not the curb well the street is slightly higher than the slightly higher her wheel got caught in it and she fell and as she fell a bus went by uh. so she was killed instantly but that incident destroyed the bus driver's life, destroyed that family's life, her friends. You know, it's the ripple effect of it all. And yeah. we often don't think of that when stuff like that happens. You know, uh, Emily's 13 years old. She, All her friends were devastated. A young man who was with her, at the, a boy at the time, young man now was with her at the time. It, it affected his life forever. It's it's a brutal situation, and living here and having watched it, I finally said, okay, I can't take it anymore. I've got to do something that's impactful that will force people to at least acknowledge it, and I want to get this film out and shown so that people can see it and go, okay, that's enough. We got to do something, and if enough people say that, ch change will happen. Michelle, let me ask, I, I want to ask you a question, but first, um, I have an observation. As I was sort of reading about this, I thought Malibu, right? One of the most affluent parts of the world, if you will. It's also an incorporated city. So it's not part of the city of Los Angeles. It has its own budget, its own government and such. Uh, and it has, you know, quite a lot of super influential people who live there. Not just, not just the actors and, and celebrities, but also billionaires and such. So how could Malibu, I, I don't use this word in a derogatory way, but the best, the only word that I can think of is how could this uh, segment of it or this element of it be, be so dysfunctional in a city like Malibu? Well, PCH is a federal highway. Mm -hmm. It's owned by, the, or a state highway, it's owned by the state. If Malibu controlled PCH in Malibu, the 21 miles that was Malibu, right. they would go bankrupt trying to keep it going. 
Right. So it's a unique situation in the sense that your main street of your little community right. is a highway. And right. to your point that, you know, oh, all the rich people live in Malibu, uh, there are regular people, uh, which I like to think of myself as one of them. No, I didn't mean it that way. I didn't mean that rich people in no, a derogatory it, way. Everybody, no, and, and I'm not saying it in a derogatory way. Look, people have their causes, and you can't expect because one person is successful in one business and high profile or not, to take a cause that's close to you to to their heart. Sure. So there are plenty of wealthy people here who are behind a lot of very big causes. And I think the greatest gift that anyone gives is doing stuff and not looking for recognition. It's of kind of like it's, um, you know, it's, I've done this. I haven't done this because I want to say, oh, my God, look at what a great guy I am. Look at what I've given back. It's I've done this because there's a need to, that it has to be done. Absolutely. And that's the way to do it. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you're listening to my interview with filmmaker Michelle Shane, whose latest documentary, 21 Miles in Malibu, uh, is uh, doing really great in film festivals. Uh, Michelle is also the producer of such films as Catch Me If You Can and iRobot. The, the, where I'm coming from is you hear these types of things in uh, the communities that don't have the money, the cities that don't have the budget uh, and such. So my question was more about really funding and also awareness. And in, right. in a city like Malibu, you think, and I understand PCH is not a, it's not part of the city, um, but uh, surely I thought, well, maybe the city can influence, you know, the-, the Oh, the 100%. 100%. And all of that. They've done, and they've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars mm -hmm. uh, doing reports and studies and looking. And, and there's actually a segment in the film where we say, a, a gentleman who was involved said, I found, I gave them, I showed them pictures of where accidents would be. And then I took pictures after the accidents to wow. show them that I was right. And they did a study and they found 55 things that could be done to make PCH safer. And of those 55 things, zero have been implemented because and of politics. And that's on whom? That's on uh, the feds or state or city of Malibu? What's you what's know? I don't them? honestly. I don't know. I, I, I'm not willing to point a finger, but I have to say that if the city was fighting for those those things, the state might kind of look at it. I mean, uh, and say, okay, we can't allocate all of them. But the easy ones we certainly could do, right? Sure. And, you know? and you just you just say now saying what I was saying, which is a powerful city. Uh, what what's holding them up from really you it's know pushing? Sometimes important. you've got to push the state. Sometimes you got to push the federal government. And if it doesn't come from local, they won't do it. It's not their priority. It's only no, a no, priority. 100%. Yeah, yeah. And I hope that this film causes the people that live here. Because yeah. it's 
it's a documentary, yes, and we're trying to get wide exposure. But really, it's a Southern California and this area here, Thousand Oaks, uh, all the areas around here are the ones that are affected by this. And those should be the ones that see this movie so that they can get angry and create change. I mean, Absolutely. that's all I'm trying to do is, look, it's not my soapbox. I felt I had to do something. I did it. And now I'll help promote it because it's a, to a benefit. And the re listen, there's no use making a movie that no one sees, right? It's like. Well, you you are. I mean, I know you're modest, but you you are being of service. First of all, the film. I haven't seen the film, but I've seen the uh, the trailer. And from talking to you, I can um, already tell that the film it comes from a place of solution, right? How do, right. how can we That's how can we improve this? How, what can we work on? It comes from a place of solution. So it's a service to everyone, everyone that could be impacted. And and hey, you could be from Sherman Oaks, just going to Malibu, you know, to sunbathe. And this could happen to you or your kids. So it, it, it you know, it just, it impacts everyone. Let me give you a, a, sure. a, a little uh, tidbit, a little fact. On long weekends in Malibu, you could get 400, 500, 600,000 vehicles coming into a town that has a population of 13 thousand people you know wow. think about that for a second it's yeah. look it's a resort town yes it, it's like cape cod it's like so there's a people want to go to the beach right and we got a lot of beach right so keep that in mind when you're driving in here and you're impatient and there's a ton of traffic and absolutely no absolutely um i i've been i, I was caught one time i went I was going to an event in Malibu and it was two big, it was a, mine was a small event, but two massive events. One of them was like some motorcycle event was happening. The other one was like boating or something. And I remember just sitting on PCH, like it was a parking lot for like a couple of hours. So absolutely. You're, oh, um, the film is uh, in, in film festivals right now. That's correct. We've, we've made application. I mean, the film literally was finished in October. So we made okay. applications to a bunch of film festivals. We're waiting for some answers. Uh, we would, we are working on, and I'm, I'm going to be talking to the city about this, about doing a free showing of the film mm -hmm. to the community so that everyone here gets to see it. Because when I launched this project in uh, 2012, God, uh, when I was a young man, um, <laughs> They, uh, I did a Kickstarter and a lot of people in this community donated to that Kickstarter, whether it be a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars, whatever was was given to make this film happen. And I made this film part time because you know I have to work, I have a life, right? Um, but it was always my goal to get it made because it was too important. To first of all, to take other people's money and not deliver was not something that I wanted to live with and live in the community and just have whispers saying, "Oh yeah, Michelle made money off our backs and and didn't deliver." You know, it was very important to me. Absolutely. This is the Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK ninety point seven FM. I am your host, Vic Jarami. 
And you're listening to my interview with filmmaker Michelle Shane, whose latest documentary, 21 Miles in Malibu, uh, is uh, doing really great in film festivals. Uh, Michelle is also the producer of such films as Catch Me If You Can and iRobot. So it is not in, so you, you're going to do a screening or you're working on doing a screening at the city of Malibu, which is a great idea. Let the residents Invite come everyone. see it. Yeah, let them come see it. It's a community thing. And then for any anyone who wants to see it, they're going to have to wait until it's at a film festival near them or a virtual film festival. Or, or we'll put it out online or a distributor will pick it up and it'll go out on, you know, be a streaming or we actually don't know, you know, give me a couple more months. And by then hopefully we'll know how we'll have this. Yeah. I just have to say this. I was, I, I went to the website of the Emily Shane, your daughter's foundation. Yes. It was so pleasant to see the inspiration of it. The inspiration wasn't her tragic death, but the inspiration was who she was. Right. Someone who right. was uh, who was um, uh, very inclusive of people and her spirit and uh, sense of community. Um, so I was, uh, I just loved reading about the foundation and what it's doing, like looking at the pictures and such. Um, so um, if um, if people want to give us the website for the Emily Shane Foundation. So uh, let me tell you a little bit about it. So okay. uh, when Emily died, the night she died, I was home, obviously, with my wife and kids. And it just struck me. Emily was a kid who really embraced everyone. It didn't matter if you were, if you had a problem, if you were fat, if you were thin, if you had emotional issues, she embraced everyone and hated to see people being left out or homeless or any, I mean, my wife had to, had to travel with an extra bag of food because she wanted to give people food whenever she saw that they were homeless. Wow. And if you were at school and sitting and having lunch alone, she would invite them over to her with her friends. So she was just that type of person. So I started what I called pass it forward, do mm -hmm. a favor for someone else, no, no recognition and let them do a favor for someone else and, and so on and so forth. And I started with that campaign and my wife was wanted to do something. And she had spent a lot of time. Emily was very bright. But she had processing issues and she she had learning issues and um, not enough to be in special a special class, but enough that she needed extra help. And she was on what's called a 504 at school. Mm -hmm. My wife realized that there was nothing for those kids, really, for middle school children that mm -hmm. couldn't make it make it happen for themselves and didn't have the money to hire uh, tutors or, or, or instructors or whatever and we luckily were able to do that we found through that experience that she related best with university students they were close in age and they kind of it, it was easier bond if it was an older person it felt more like a parent so right. it didn't work so the emily shane foundation started with three students in malibu since we started 10 years ago we've helped over a thousand students and what wow. we do is we help kids that are struggling. We put them with a mentor tutor where they meet for two hours a week, two times, so one hour and one hour, uh, twice a week. And in that hour, 
The mentor deals with whatever they're struggling at school with, help them get organized, just basically is a coach and someone to help them push forward. Right. And it's the most incredible thing. And, I, and I'll share one quick story with you because Please. I'm most proud of it. A girl came to us, joined the program, stayed with us through middle school, then went off to high school. And, you know, we never hear from them again. Uh, occasionally we'll bump into them and whatnot. And she got into university and in her first year of university, she reached out to the program to become a mentor to give wow. back. That's awesome. That's what it's all about. So yeah. the website is emilyshane.org. So it's E-M-I-L-Y-S-H-A-N-E.org. .org. And uh, we're all, look, we're a small little foundation trying to grow the beauty about the, our foundation, it is very replicable. Anybody, any community could run with this this uh, style of a foundation to help their kids. Yeah, and what a what a great thing you're doing of bringing attention to this. Uh, people like Emily, who are not special ed, but yet there's a little bit of need that they have. They're sort of probably in what I would say like a crack, right? So yes, it's exactly. not so obvious to the educational system. Um, and uh, bringing attention to that and uh, getting support for students like that. So that's emilyshane.org. And uh, Michelle, so the film at this point, uh, people can go to the website for the film and watch the trailer and right. look at um, uh, uh, photos, still photos and such like that. What is the website for the so film? So it's 21milesinmalibu.com. So it's just like the sign that, that's uh, at the beginning of uh, Malibu. It says 21 miles Ma Ma Malibu. So right. 21 miles in Malibu.com. Fantastic. Um, break a leg with the film festivals. I'm sure it's going to be well. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add that I maybe perhaps forgot to ask you? No, I mean, with the foundation, a lot of the kids, what we don't realize when we look at all the kids in school is what's going on in their personal lives. Mm -hmm. So a lot of kids, especially in the in communities that are struggling, you know, parents are holding down a couple jobs or a parent is in prison or they're divorced or there's a single parent. So there's a lot of stuff going on. And what the foundation does is help them focus on how they can succeed. Because at the end of the day, if those kids succeed, we've passed forward the greatest gift. And the thing that the kids do, for they get the tutoring for free, but they have to do a good deed for every mentoring session they have. So we, we are creating members of our community that will hopefully grow up and realize that they've got to give back to get. And pass it on. And what a great way to keep the legacy of Emily alive. Yeah, well, that was the whole thing. Sorry yeah. to interrupt you. I said... I never wanted her to be that poor little girl that died on PCH. What was her name again? That that we've made sure has not happened. Definitely. Well, Michelle, thank you very much. Thank you for telling us about Emily, uh, the foundation, and uh, 21 Miles in Malibu. And uh, I'll keep my eye out for when the film comes out. Great. I'd love to share it with you. And uh, hopefully coming to someplace near you soon. <laughs> yeah, or streaming. Or streaming, exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Michelle. Chat with you again soon. Thank you.
That was my interview with uh, Michelle Shane, a filmmaker and activist. Michelle, thank you very much for sharing your experience, your personal tragedy, and your film with me and everyone who's listening. Uh, I really appreciate your time and good luck with the film. Before we go, I'd like to thank my producer, Ricky Herrera, without whom this show would not be possible. And KPFK, the station that brings you unfiltered and commercial-free news, opinion, and hopefully some inspiration. Thank you for joining me today on The Blunt Post with Vic. Tune in next Monday at 6 a.m. for another episode. For more information, please visit thebluntpost.com. The Blunt Post with Vic.